the Chicago Tomahawk. I'm Mike. I got my linemate Matt with me. And today we are joined by Dom, one of our, our long, long standing fans, um, which is we've been wanting to get this guy on for a bit. And uh, we got it worked out. Had some technical difficulties last time we tried to get him on, but we got him on now. How are you doing, Dom? Fellas, it's uh, glad to be here with you. Can I say the velvet uh, velvet curtain's been pulled back, and you get to see me as the uh, Wizard of Oz? <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, man. So uh, the other night, I did not watch the Buffalo Sabers Blackhawks game. I saved it for the next day, and the reason that I did it was because um, when I watch the Blackhawks sometimes and they lose. I have a very hard time going to bed. I probably just take it too seriously as a fan. But um, I saw them winning. You know, it was three to nothing. I'm like, the boys got it. I'm going to watch this tomorrow. Because I had a project that I was working on the next day. Uh, and uh, I wanted to put the game on. So I checked the next day. I'm like, all right, I want to see the score. Six to five. I could not believe it. And I was, I'm like, I'm so glad that I did not see this because I wouldn't have gotten a wink of sleep last night knowing that the Hawks lost to the Sabres. So, <laughs> boys, um, it got ugly. <laughs> oh, it oh, was they're... a game that we had <laughs> practically put away, and it got ugly. The first thing that I want to talk about, I want to bring it up to you first, Matt. What is going on with with, with Kevin Lankinen? Do you think it's a thing of reps? Do you think that, because he was lost in his... Is oh, crease in yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And last year, it was actually a strength of him n not losing his crease. What did you see with, with his play? I saw some some rust. Like we said, he's been, you know, watching Flurry a lot this season, or he's either been hurt. So I think he, honestly, I think he's given up four really bad goals in the last two games. And him, yeah. that, that can't happen, especially when you got a 4 nothing lead. Right. Against the Buffalo Sabres. Right. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I was glad that they were putting some wins together earlier in the season just because that they had been losing so many games. And, you know, guys really shouldn't have to go through that kind of brutality. Dom, what did you think of, you know, say maybe the first half of the, the Sabres game? What did I think about it? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, you know, it it's sort of it's been a real copy and paste kind of style with that team lately is that they start out big, they come out like gangbusters. And, and by the time the second period starts, they're just flat. Like, I don't right. know if they just, you know, burn up all the gas right away, but it just seems like they just, they go into sleep mode, go to hibernate. Right. So it's just, it's been get big, get a big lead and then go, you know, a handful of unanswered goals. And then you're going tit for tat until the very end. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't understand how they can get get up three goals. I mean, the game should be over at that point, you know, just, just oh, lock really? it down, Four. especially yeah. against uh, Buffalo. And it's not even playoff hockey. I mean, it's not right. even the point where you're going to have a coronary at any, uh, you know, any zone entry, you know, about what, what's going to happen, what's gonna, what are they going to do. It's just, yeah, they just, they take their feet off the gas and like defense is optional and, and and, and I guess the maddening part about the goaltending situation with Lanks is that he's not, he's been doing, I think, better in some of these outings than he's had in previous years, but he's not square to the shooter a lot. Right. And so, yep. well said, well said. You know, when, when they're coming at him, that was the thing. I've always been a pro Corey Crawford camp guy. Like, I'm probably the biggest fanboy for him. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I, and for the modern era for the team, you kind of use him as, as the judge, like as a litmus test for it. And so you see these goalies, they're not getting square to the shooter. And he gets lost sometimes in there too. Or there's enough there's enough screen in front of him to where he doesn't get a good look at the puck. So he's just sort of guessing. And I mean, uh, like you say, the for the Buffalo game, the probably some of those two middle goals were deflections. So, yeah, that yeah. really complicated that, too. I mean, what well, one went yeah. off a of Strom skate, and then the other goal, Doc, the tying yeah. goal, went off against Gus, or off his skate, too, which is like a double deflection. Right. I mean, that guy alone, he can't do anything right, let alone stand in the wrong place right. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 it's just, I, and, and let me tell you, like, I, and that's the thing for me, like, that guy, uh, break off on a tangent for that, he had 
I've seen him play so many times and lucky enough to get enough tickets to be able to see the team live in the, in the recent years. And I saw him commit one of the most egregious blunders in the AHL against the, the Ice Hogs. They were playing against the Ice Hogs one night in Rosemont. And he dumped one of these no-look passes on the way off of a shift. And it turned into uh, it turned into a, a rush going the other way and ended up in the back of their net. And, and I mean, yeah, he's a he forward. was just a rather, yeah. rather matter of fact of it. Like, oh, oops. Oh, fuck. He's a very poor man, Eric Carlson. Oh, <laughs> That's absolutely. What he is. And then my thought was yeah. like, this guy will never make it up to the, the big club after that kind of deal. And you know what happened? Like a week or so later, he's up on the big club. And you just, you can't help but just put your your palm right through your face. I mean, like, what? Yeah. Man? It's just some GMs like point production from their defense and they look the other way in their defensive game and that's what I me and Mike don't understand. It's Yeah, I don't get it. People Yeah. They lost all the interest in the defensive aspect of a defenseman. It seems like, oh, we need guys putting up 50 points here. Well, that doesn't work for right. our teams. You no, know, I, no. I guess I guess unless you're the Nashville organization, uh, which is probably we, the only thing that I really like about you. them is that, you know, <laughs> they, they value the defensive aspect of the game uh, for their defensive players. But, um, but yeah, 100%. You know, Lincoln looks worse this year than he did last year. And I wonder what it is, if if there's if he's lost some of his mojo in, in some way, if it's a confidence thing, you know. Yeah. So uh, we're going to have to see what they're going to do this summer because, you know, this kid is supposed to be taking the next step. And if he's not taking the next step, then um, they're going to need to figure something out because Soderblom's not ready yet. He needs more time. Yeah. They, might be have, they might have to sign a goalie this, this offseason. Who's ooh, out ooh, there? Ooh. Who is, yeah, what do you guys think? Peter Mrazek? No, Ugh. hell no, hell no. <laughs> no. Man, He's no. been terrible lately. Yeah, he has. Just terrible. Yeah. And that team could score at will, and that's he can't even, he's not helping. I right. say we, we got to bring back the accountant. I mean, really. <laughs> Scott Foster. <laughs> Scott Foster. I mean, tax uh, season's going to be over. He's going to have <laughs> a little bit of free time. Get that yeah, guy that, warmed up in pads, good sweat, and send him out. Wasn't it his anniversary? What, yeah. like yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a night for that. him. Yeah. What a night. You know, it would have been funny if you'd be like, you know what? I was really hungover too. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to come into the game. I was hammered. You guys yeah. were just handing me beers and 300 level. And you gave me the news and then I drank four more just to mellow down a little bit. Right. <laughs> and when I first put my pads on, I had them on backwards and upside down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, Taser had a really nice goal. Uh, it kind of looked Ooh. like his his old days. Uh, what do you think of that R- one, Matt? R- rookie Taves like yeah. goal. It yeah. reminded me of that Avalanche, uh, big Avalanche goal he scored. I think it was his rookie year. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, but yeah. that was beautiful. Very beautiful goal. It's like I think the more we give him a hard time, he just kind of proves us wrong in the next the next games. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I've given him a lot of leeway, but I think on the last oh, I podcast, you, I you love him. I do, man. I do. I think that he's done. A, I think you know he does. Previously, uh, we'll just talk about you know maybe the cup years, but you know he did a lot of intangibles and he did a lot of tangible things at the same time, you know, and that's just really hard to find in, in a lot of players. I think Crosby was always a great point produ- point producer, but I don't think that he really became. Um, like his, I'm, I, I want to say his full potential until after 2015. And, um, Taser? No, or I'm Crosby. talking about oh, Crosby. Crosby. Yeah. Crosby, yeah. 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 I, I think that after, I think that he was a great point producer, uh, before then, but I think that he became a great, um, you know, just hockey player in general, putting it all together after 2015. And that's saying something because he was, uh, he's absolutely incredible. Uh, he's been incredible his, his entire, his entire career. And uh, and that's why he's got three Stanley Cups. Oh, for sure. So, oh, for sure. I think with most people, they come into the league, sort of that feeling out process. As soon as they kind of reach that veteran status and they've been around the block a little bit, you can kind of see the game definitely evolve a little bit. Right, right. Do you think that, you know, Dom, do you think that maybe it takes a guy like four to five years to really just kind of get settled in into the league? Probably. I mean, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, the first first year, you're just, I guess it's weird. The first couple of years are sort of soft because you don't know if they're going to necessarily break the lineup, depending on how they were onboarded. 
So, you know, if they were drafted and, oh, they're immediately expected to be, you know, a high, they're going to be a high pick. So, okay, we want that guy in right away. Or are they going to have a couple years in the, in the AHL or through other commitments to get brought in and invited to camp? And then after you reach, you break that benchmark, yeah, it's probably another, you know, at least three years or so before you really get to know who they're going to going to be and then by then i mean you're at the end of the the rookie contracts or agreements and then you're starting to talk money so then you really have to decide what you're investing in from there you know you look at jack hughes and we bring him up a lot on the podcast as you know and he is producing now at probably what they were anticipating him producing when they drafted him. Typically a first round draft pick, these guys usually come in and, and make a difference immediately. That That's not the case. And that wasn't the case with Jack Hughes, but he's having a great season this year. And I'm wondering, you know, Doc coming in at what, 18, 19, you know, that yeah. his body needs time to, you know, to acclimate itself to the rigors of the NHL, you know? And I oh, think sure. that's, you know, you know, like as you mentioned, as you know, me and Matt have talked about it as well, is that Doc might not even he might not even really be ready for the big game for another two years. You know, I gotta agree with you on that one. I was thinking about that a little bit in the, the last couple of days. You know, the people commenting about Doc and you sort of even look at guys like Kane when he first came in the league, like, you know, his stature is a little a little bit below average for what some of the players were playing at the time. So, I mean, you had to put on some size and you have to, you know, work on the rest of the aspects of your game. And now look at him. I mean, he's going to be the, probably the greatest, you know, American born hockey player, uh, you know, our generation ever. could see yeah. ever. I mean, so, yeah. you know, somebody like doc, especially with his big frame, I mean, I know he's been struggling and he's, you got to have enough good voices in the organization and the locker room to help, push him bring him along the way but i mean yeah he's gonna have to work on you know add some size and hopefully everything that he's been taught is gonna stick right right so, is there yeah, anybody I mean, does, else does he need more seasoning down i mean it's you know i don't know it's they, they gotta just hit reset with him they gotta give right. him a fair shot you know give him say hey we're gonna redo like an entry-level three-year deal type of thing yeah we rushed you let's fix this let's see what you got you got three years to prove it Three that's years, what they should do. Three yeah. years, two million per Matt. That, yeah, that's that's pennies for an NHL yeah. team. Well, really uh, well, considering he was a top three draft pick, they might have to pay him three to three point five. Yeah. I don't think I would do that. I mean, if I have, if I'm paying like Dylan Strom for a couple seasons, I you right. want to manage right at the first time and not. Oh mess, no, I completely up, agree so. with you. I just think I, that I would definitely go. Here, kid, you're getting two million a year. We'll we'll have bonuses. Hey, like say you. You hit fifty points, you get an extra whatever they decide. But yeah. I, I mean, think give him some motivation. Oh no, I I agree yeah. with you. What I'm saying is, is yeah. that I think that he might get a little bit more because of his draft number. I hope not. I don't think he deserves yeah. it. I, I don't and, think so either. Yeah, but th I mean, that just seems to be the case with a lot of high high draft picks. Yeah. Well, if they with the Devils with Hughes, that they're just so desperate. They they needed. You know, they they obviously it's working out for him. Yeah. I mean, he's having a great season. The last two seasons, he's been, I mean, an AHL player if you ask me. And and we have to hear how great he is all the time. It's like, okay, dude, he's five six. He <laughs> looks like he's a hundred pounds. He's getting knocked around. The first season, dude, yeah, he, was he was getting knocked around like crazy. He definitely improved his. Um, play with the puck his puck possession is way better he's stronger with the puck he's stronger on his feet and you know i i think i got into an argument on twitter with a guy a couple months ago about brandon hagel sucks i'm like brandon hagel makes 1.8 million dollars and he's got more points than jack hughes and more goals oh, oh yeah yeah but now look at the, the kid just took off from injury and he's he's making me look stupid but still look at this brandon hagel's what 1.8 million He's making eight next season. It's just, come on. Oh, yeah, I mean, he walked into I, a good payday. Definitely overpaid him. But, hey, they believe in him, and they got the cap space. And time will tell. So far, they're, the GM's looking good. And they got another Hughes, they, another Hughes in the wings waiting to come in. Is he a defensive Hughes? Yeah, or he is. is. He, okay. I so think he's I, the biggest one out of all of them, too. I, I'm more of a fan of Quinn. I think Quinn Hughes is a good player. Oh, he's a great really skater. Do. Yeah. And yeah. he's just kind of rotten away in Vancouver because they don't know what they're going to be. They're either, 
you know, right the mushy middle, they call it, like, well, are we going to rebuild or are we going to go for it? Yeah. And if, I feel like every season they're right there and they just make the wrong, wrong decisions. Oh, without you, a doubt. You know, Jack Hughes, I think he's a good skater, though, too. He is. He he could be like a caner. He could, he's he got yeah. the like the playmaking ability. He's got good vision. He's a good passer. You just got to surround him with some better players. I'm sorry, that Nico Heischer. He's the oh, captain? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah and then yeah. you sign Dougie Hamilton? Really? Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't see the hype. I'm I'm happy with Seth Jones. I am sure the money's high. Dougie Hamilton, come on, man. This guy's been jumping around all over the place. Especially Can't at a certain age, him. when do you... Okay, I'll pose this question. At what certain age do you decide that you should stop calling yourself Dougie? <laughs> du- <laughs> I mean, Douglas, Doug... Even Doug D, Funny. The, Dougie, ca- the cartoon yeah. didn't call himself Dougie. I know he was Doug Funny though. So, man, dude, does I don't know. I funny? think that's kind of his thing though. You know, yeah. Dougie Hockey. Yeah, Dougie Hockey. <laughs> uh. All right, so Dom, I know that you have an initiative uh, of the Brush Line. I wanted to. I'm really curious to 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 hear all about it, man. Well, let me see. I put this together so I don't seem any more clinically unstable. Um, I think we're all a little clinically unstable, to be honest with you. I'm I'm completely deranged, yeah. Oh, yeah, that I can attest for. That's for sure. (laughs) But no, uh, well, for me, I guess it all kind of starts at uh, 2013 is when I started the Rory Kemi's The Chicago Brush Line. And it really began as a vehicle for, of all things, for looking for work. I have a, a background degree in uh, visual communications, graphic design, and I was also between writing jobs. So I had a few uh, jobs, side gigs, working as a writing music columns and, and writing for a friend's uh, car enthusiast magazine. And so I sort of needed something to keep the wheels churning. Um, and not to mention that I had zero um experience with social media at all outside of like a LinkedIn page. So for me, it was something to kind of help me learn the do's, the don'ts, and kind of keep everything going. Um, and so I figured, you know, well, what platform can I start from? Because, you know, I like the idea of Twitter based off of, you know, being able to think on your feet and for, um, Oh my gosh, why am, I, why am I trying to explain myself? My brain goes numb. Um, <laughs> what platforms are you think on your feet and then be conciseness? I mean, you know, before the algorithms and everything got to the uh, dystopian wasteland that is Twitter, um, you know, we had to be concise and to the point. So for me, it kind of helped everything be sharp. So I sort of got, I take my background, I said, well, what can I do? What because so I decided to do something sort of quintessentially Chicago, like what would be easily identifiable and went from there and just kind of built a whole background story and, you know, just a whole, just broke, made a full storyline for it and then kind of just launched into it. And and from there, it's been really interesting so so far. And I got to say, it's gone further than I, I th- thought that it would, you know, because social media is very topic based. So this isn't necessarily the um, the hottest commodity by any means, but um, yeah, it's it's become fun, and I've met a lot of cool people, and really been entrenched in the um, the sports culture and uh, music and just overall BS. And so it's I've been able to meet some cool people, and uh, most recently being a part of the 108 tourney, which is a um, a bracket of White Sox social media personalities. So um, didn't make it out of the first round for the second year in a row, but hey, I mean it's it's really good to get to know the uh, subcultures uh, for for city sports and those guys over there f- uh, from from the one away have been really really good to me. So it's been that was fun. Um, so it's essentially you know like a like a writing project for you. Yes, I guess. Long story short, yes. Okay. <laughs> No, well, well, give us the uh, give us the long story. I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious about it. Well, I, for me, it was it was interesting because when I when I started it, it was like I said, I was like, okay, what can I do that would be that that would be interesting? And so I thought of, oh, you know, my my school 
uh, recently or probably within the last couple of years uh, lost its accreditation and um, it's always confused with the School of the Art Institute. So a lot of the, some of the things initially I, I started out like, oh, let's, you know, make a lot of things that are adjacent to me. So, okay, so, well, well there's two Art Institute lines that are pretty, for tourism is pretty identifiable. And I said, well, what if there was a third line? What if there was like a disgruntled third brother? <laughs> and, you know? and so when I put this together, I said, okay, I'm like, well, I can, okay, start there. And then, you know, you're watching a lot of movies. And so like, okay, so you put a little bit of Holly Weird in there. And you mix in a lot of like his, Chicago historical things, um, and then just you know you, you build you build the character, and even the birthday is that I gave it is it's derivative of something close to me. So you know maybe not my birthday, but you know just things tied. So actually, the more you I carried on with it, and, and I didn't get into those crazy things. Be like, oh, we're buying followers. Or, you know, I just sort of just carried on with the topics. Like I'm talking to myself, I'm shouting into the void and, and what, <laughs> see if I can get some interaction back. So, what are some of the topics that you like to talk about? Well, uh, a lot of it has to do, of course, with the, with Malort. Malort is the big topic. I'm probably the best unpaid salesman for Malort. <laughs> <laughs> so love it. You hate it. It's, it is there. It exists. So. Uh, with that, uh, I do talk, share a lot about my music, the things that I'm into. Like, that's one of those things that really keeps my heart going. Um, so I like sharing a lot of the different music things that I, I talk to. I, I'm big. I've been a Hawks fan for the longest time, probably since, can't you call me a bandwagon fan? Because I probably became a fan uh, post-92. So right after you take oh, one. Yeah. The, and, and, and the killer part about that is, is that. 90s. Uh, yes, sir. So it's that those are the teams I lived and died died for growing up. Yeah, me too. So yep. it was it was it was find it interesting that my favorite team, you know, I was raised to be, you know, root for the home teams. So, you know, Bulls, Bears, Sox, Cubs, whatever you name it. And so that was all pain inflicted by oh my favorite team and to get beaten by uh, uh, Mario Lemieux and the Penguins. It was oh, just yeah. a full existential crisis. Like <laughs> Like here's my favorite hockey player of all time. Maybe not the the man that got me into hockey. Of course, that's a that's a whole other animal. You go from a, uh, a superstar finesse player to just uh, overall, just, just, oh, just a, the 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 heavyweight champion enforcer and <laughs> Bob Probert. You know that's oh and, man. And then there's the other confliction because he's probably equally as known as a Red Wing as opposed to a, a Blackhawk, which is. And you know, anybody knows me. I'm very much uh, a pro Detroit sucks chant kind of guy, <laughs> and so it's just so there's there's the duality of it. You know, my I got into hockey because, and and of course, in my family, nobody followed hockey. Uh, nobody when they looked at me like you were like what? It's like why? It's cool. <laughs> look, at, <laughs> look look at that guy. He's pounding that guy's face in. That's like that's you know I don't know. That's like, you know, it's war, it's a warrior poet. Like I like that guy. Right, and then you know, from there on, it just sort of rolled into and grew and expanded. So, you know, those are the guys I grew up idolizing and wanting to be like. And even when I played, it was you know I wanted to be like those guys, wanted to emulate that. So, um, for me, like hockey's always been always been big, and I've tried to incorporate that in the project. And then as the rest of it has just been kind of just rant and ravings and grumblings and. And so it, it it turned into like a, a pro writing project, which sort of sidestepped into a social experiment, because a lot of the folks that I would interact with, and became my regulars, and a lot of them, thankfully, still think I'm semi entertaining. I would talk with people, and they would say, you know, it's funny. I know you look at the avatar. I know you're a real person. But when I look at the avatar and talk with you, I forget I'm talking to another human being. I think I'm talking to the avatar, which, which I guess is kind, of, which I guess is kind of a kind of a compliment that yeah. I'm, I'm selling it that good. But I'm that in deep into a kayfabe. But I guess for now, I said I've been doing this since 13. It becomes sort of a you stay around, do it long enough, you eventually start kind of taking 
the character on or vice versa. It becomes more more you talking than a character. So I probably realized I, I was that. dying. You know what's I was funny? dying when you were doing that 108 stuff. You you, you had uh, the lion's head on Kevin Costner's uh, Field of Dreams body. And, <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I was just dying. Dude, I when figured, I, I'm like, I could put some good Photoshop hell together. <laughs> this, this, this could be comical. The, the one, I think, one I think I liked the most was the... Uh, the Donnie Brasco one Donnie with Br- Al Pacino <laughs> and Johnny Depp, just like any votes. Yeah. And, uh, not for me, is a Fugazi. It's a Fugazi. Fugazi. <laughs> I had one I did last year. Forget for, about it. Forget about well, it. What does it mean? Sometimes forget about it means forget about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> and other uh, times it's like forget about it. <laughs> oh, man. And just, that's just quality. That's just quality right there. You, you know, know, it's I, funny when I, like, when I um, relate to people. You know, like say when we were talking to Jason Ross Jr., I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Jason, you know. But when I think of you, like I think of like the lion, you know, or the like lion. your, I thought yeah. you did a really good job with your name. It's because it's spelled, v, was it B-V-R-S-H? But oh, yeah. I say brush lion, you know. Yeah. And no, I, and I, that's I how it's meant to be, to be, to be said, right? Yeah. And that's when I, when I, I subbed out the V for the U, I just thought of the. The some of those the names. If you ever noticed on the the awning of the or the soffit of the art institute, they have a little. It's got some of the names of artists, famous artists. Maybe oh, not right. necessarily ones that are there. The 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 the, the font that they use very like a, like a Roman times New Roman type font. And so I, when you look at the art institute, they do a similar thing with the a substitute the you know their use or not for the V. I'm like, well, I could tie that. I'm like, that's a little thing. Like, yeah, okay. But that, that was sort of the deal is, you know, with having like the advertising marketing background, I kind of really wanted to go immerse it and just have a full, full out theme to it. And, uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's been fun. I said, I'm thankful. I mean, right now I'm over a thousand followers. Awesome. And which is, which yeah, I'm more than, more than blessed. And it just, and that's coming from a topic that's maybe not super popular, maybe not, it won't get you overnight. You know, it's not, not some Kim Corda- Kim Kardashian's butt or, or some sort of thing that gets like a thousand followers, you know, it's a lot to talk a hundred thousand followers in like 10 Big minutes, ass. you know, but, but you know, it just grassroots up just being a real, being real, but being pretend at the same time. I don't know if that makes sure. sense, but you get people interested. It's been really flattering. So so yeah, for I, everyone um, who doesn't live in Chicago, uh, the Art Institute in Chicago in front has two lions on it. And, you know, that's what he's referring to. I sometimes I forget that we have other listeners that are in Australia, that are in England, that are all over the, the country, you know, because, you know, sometimes I think I'm just talking to, you know, Chicagoland people, but we get messages from people all over the place. No, that that is true, and it, I think with some of the followers, I do have a few international folks, and at least one or two where I have to use the translate button because they're speaking and they're typing in their own uh, native dialect. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, we we so, got a guy so, like that too, and he—I think he's from—I think you want to say he's from Slovakia, and he's always typing me when I would post like a Hosa picture, and I see what he's writing, and I'm just like, oh yeah. Thumbs up. Like, well, yeah, yeah, I know he's awesome. And he's always like sending me uh, the clapping hands emoji. I'm like, okay, I, I think I'm in good shape here. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I have yeah. one like that. For, who's, he's from Slovakia, I think, too. And he and runs a uh, person runs like a music related type account. And I know you, you sort of go into it with best intentions. Like, well, they could be calling me a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Or they could be saying, oh, good job. You're great. It just sort of just smile yeah. and nod. Right. Yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> so you grew up just like we did listening to Pat Foley. How do you feel about, you know, what's been going on this year with the uh, announcing? I, uh, I feel like it's been botched. Um, if if the, the organization is really interested in what the fans' feedback is, I hope they're really paying attention because I, personally, I would have I tried to make this uh i would have started this a year or sooner than they have and done it in a way where okay we're gonna have uh pat and eddie do local broadcasts like every home game right you get Mm -hmm. the home voices yeah or faces and then 
for away games, you send send a group of folks out in like a like a block system. Okay, for you know games, you know like six, seven, eight, twelve, you're gonna have these guys, and then and and eventually maybe if you're settled on candidates, juggle those around, but keep the 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 fan favorite, the A team together for all the the home broadcasts and then the next year sort of okay i now we're going to limit limit his package for calling the season start you know okay which which combos do we have have been if they're worried about the analytics who's calling in the most popularity and then start kind of leaning towards that and then these just systematic cuts and then get get people involved but I don't think the team is in general has the broadcasting has they've, I don't think they've handled it very well. It's kind of disappointing because, you know, people are starting out of the hole probably already considering Foley's body work. Right. And you're going to try to just, Oh, we're just going to, you know, be a, be a season like this with no postseason chances of hearing, hearing somebody. And you're going to try to start it in or, or find a style or some chemistry. I, I don't think they've handled it very well. It's kind of like one of those things, maybe they just want it to be, you know, like just to shock everybody because Foley's leaving so that next year, just having two people, you know, every game will give us that stability that we want. You know, like maybe this is like some kind of controlled chaos from the uh, Blackhawks. You know, I think anything's anything's possible, you know, being at least being a Hawks Hawks fan as long as I have, I should probably be a... a, a flat spot on my head from the amount of things that we've had to digest or hear over the years and you know just find a place to to bang your head at so <laughs> I, I guess i guess i guess in all reality it's you know for gluttons for punishment so yeah keep taking it on the chin but i mean i guess you could do it one way but if there's the the right way if you can make it less painless i guess maybe try for that i would have called gary gary thorn up i mean He's calling bowling games right now. That's crazy. It's what a what yeah. a waste. <laughs> yeah. Is there um is there any anything that you want to see out of the Blackhawks say come next season? Is there is there anything that you you're really looking to see addressed? Like say for instance in in my case, I want to see them address the center position because we need to work on our possession game with the, with the puck we can't just have you know one or two guys on the team that can win face-offs you know we need f- four guys who can consistently win face-offs oh yeah I, for me i think the big bullet points are obviously starting between the pipes you address your situation there i know um you know there's we have we've been speaking about link lincoln in tonight um i know delia i i think delia's poor guy is just a minor league lifer right i feel like they agreed i feel like agreed. That, yes i feel like that that last couple of years like especially uh the year right after uh or within the post cory crawford timeline i feel like they kind of threw all those goalies like malcolm suban and all of them they threw everybody to the wolves and so i think you're trying to get ease these guys in but when there's nobody no defense in front of them or playing well in front of them you're going to break some guys comp- confidences and i feel like they kind of sacrificed his growth curve. So how are you going to address the farm system for, for goaltending? And I know they just signed um, another young guy uh, recently that they, they promote, they had promote promos out for, but I don't know anything about him. So I I guess, how are you going to grow that position? Um, Obviously they've gone big in on going defense. So, you know, they have the Jones brothers uh, is Murphy, I don't know what his contract uh, timeline looks like. Um, and then just a lot of it also, too, I think, is besides trying to get your offensive forwards to be out there earning their their paycheck, uh, where's the leadership coming from on the bench? Because I'm not a believer in the uh, Derek King experiment. Um, I think they waited a little bit long to fire uh, the coach that we dare not speak his name um, <laughs> and, and, and go on for this. So it's sort of the, now you correct me guys if I'm wrong, but the ice hogs, they're in the hunt for uh postseason in the AHL, aren't they? 
Yeah, I believe, I believe so. they are. Yes. I know the Wolves so, are the top team of well, in the A. Yeah, I, I think that if you can think, if last year, if King was down there as a fresh coach for them, I remember them not being any good. So I, it's yeah. sort of one of those things, if they were struggling as a minor league coach with that system, and he's going to come up to here, I don't, and I don't think he's retooled a whole lot, which he's been open about at times. I don't see that guy being the, despite being a former player, being the type of influence on some of these guys that need to grow a little more or build, help build an identity with a team. Um, I've, I think you guys have mentioned it on a previous podcast. They could be potentially about two coaches away from somebody who's really going to take them to the promised land. Right. I mean, we could be, we could get lucky, but you know, I think I, did, that, yeah, I, maybe, I don't know who you grab. Who do you grab at this point? You know, I mean, the good well, coaches are taken. <laughs> and they sat on, they, well, they had too, that the organization sat on the sidelines for it for a lot. They gave the hard sell that they were committed to these guys. And I mean, you don't, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes necessarily, but yeah, I feel like they, they held the ball a little too long. So yeah. it's, it's tough to, to say. I would have been interested in uh, Claude Julian. I think he might have been. Interesting. Yeah. It would have been an interesting. Yeah. I think it would have been an interesting fit to put in. But I mean, he had a lot of success with some of those Boston teams. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's a rebuild type of coach. I think he's more of a going for it or right there kind of coach. I can agree with that. Yeah. I I don't know. I I mean, Torts, I love Torts. Um, I don't. I don't know about him either. I think he's gone through a couple rebuilds, and yeah. then he obviously he's, he's had his um, success in Tampa. But yeah. uh, other than that, I think he's just like an average mushy middle kind of coach. I so think the problem I, I with Torts is that if you follow along with him a little bit, like yeah, I agree. Like he's been through a, a bunch of rebuilds. I mean, he might be the media might go crazy for him because he's a uh, Oh yeah, absolute. You know, just hot mess sometimes in some of those pressers, and you know, any kind <laughs> of publicity is good publicity. So they like the shock value of him. But if you've you've listened to some of in his time being away from the or exiting the bench, you hear a lot of former players' takes on him that I've heard. I don't think it's been very positive. I feel like he might be one of those guys where he, he might just if he's not sort of picking at you, chirping at you to try to motivate you. He's one of those guys that he's just a curmudgeon and he's just, he's going to lose the, he's going to lose the room because he's yeah. ranting and raving that I don't think a lot of these younger guys, it's obviously the game has changed on so many the newer fronts. age guys. Yes. Yeah. The newer yes, age guys. Sure. I mean, not to say anybody's softer than another generation, but just, I don't think they're as receptive to. Oh, no, no, no. You could say it. They're softer for sure. Okay. This new yeah. generation. I think that just goes along with yeah. what's in sports in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's a kinder, gentler machine gun hand. So, you know, they, they're, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they want these younger guys. Yeah. They don't take to the, the extra riding as the motivation. So they, yeah, they just, they're yeah. going to tune them out and that's, you got to, I guess that's the, the part of the, the room, even when I was playing, I guess he, it's not the people that talk the most or the loudest, it's the people that have the most substance. And so I feel like he didn't get, a, he didn't, yeah. those reviews didn't give me a great vote of confidence that he would fit in in this market, at least. He, I mean, he's kind of like a Mike Keenan. I think Keenan was tough, real yeah. tough on his teams. And yeah. um, it paid off. Obviously, he Mike- won. Yeah, he won with New uh, the Rangers, I think, at 94. But mm-hmm. he got close with the Hawks, you know, a couple times. And I remember there's a great video of him. I think he was, I think he yanked Eddie Belfort. And mm. Belfort was just giving it to him. Do you ever see that video? Yeah. Oh, man. He was he had- just giving it to him. And Keenan walked over, grabbed him by the collar. And you just see F F F that you just shut your mouth type of stuff. And I'm like, wow, can you imagine if that happened today? Oh, like oh, he gosh. would he would be all over CNN. They'd call for him to apologize and this oh, guy needs bad. this guy needs anchor management and all that stuff. But that's how that's how it was back then. It's it is a lot different. I think poor Torts was <laughs> he kinda coached in the wrong era, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I think I and, and now even here you said the guys that are are signed under contract i mean they're probably locked up 
I mean, I don't know if it's any, uh, I'm looking too far into uh, down the chute, but I think a guy like Rod Brindamore would oh, probably yeah. be, would be the type of coach that I would like to see. I think he could, satisfies both sides. Like you'd want somebody who who's played the game, obviously, somebody who's coached in on a professional level at some point for a certain, you know, a minimal amount of time, but you know, enough to enough to not be lost. You know, have already have a style established, and then put somebody in. But again, I mean, for this for this Blackhawks team, it really doesn't have an identity. I yeah, I fear a few coaches away, but I couldn't I couldn't imagine what uh what's out there to, to pick from. I want or, the yeah. next guy. You know, at one point, you know, brought Rod Brindamore. I was like, oh, how good of a coach is he going to be? You know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. I want the next guy that's going to be, you know, the next it coach. You know, oh, like, yeah. that's what I think the Blackhawks are trying to do and trying to find. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously that's a trial and error type of thing because, you know, a coach might need a few years to kind of get his legs underneath him, get used to being behind the bench and, and managing a hockey team instead of, you know, perhaps being out there on the ice. Yeah, the, the new thing now is hiring a young GM who's really good with analytics and then hiring a first-time coach. That's like the new trend, I feel like, in the NHL. Yeah. Mm. They're kind of getting rid of all these guys that have been shuffling around. I think Mike, Mike said that a couple pods yeah, But they must have ago. been listening. Yeah, and they, you know, they're trying. Uh, Claude Julian, I, I can't believe he's not hired by somebody. I know Bruce Boudreaux got picked up recently by the... Um, Canucks a couple months ago and you know I, there's still some good coaches out there uh Elaine Vigneault I am not yeah. a fan of him just because of the Vancouver no. rivalry he could fuck off but yeah. um there <laughs> there's still some pretty big name coaches like Torts we were just talking about they're they're not getting hired they're hiring these new younger guys and uh trying like they're experimenting well I think the league's at a pivot point right now I mean like you have some of the guys from the old guard that are well established and they're they're all about the same age, so they're kind of aging out. And then yeah. you have Hitchcock all the new too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I mean, they, there's guys that you know, the new guys that they got to get up and get them seasoned, but it that comes at a cost. So I guess yeah, if you're coming in as a young GM, you really have your work cut out because you know how, which which way do you which way do you go? Like it's it's a it's a full gamble, a full full roulette. Yep. On that, but yeah, it's it. The league is at a real point where all the old guys are getting ready to, you know, go play golf for the or go skiing or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Then, yeah. Other guys just they don't a lot less know. stress. Oh, yeah, it's sure. easier. Yeah, you don't get yelled at. <laughs> managing, you know, ma- managing, you know, these kids nowadays too, and their and their, um, you know, maybe their personalities is probably much different than you know back when they were, you know, coming up. Oh, for oh, for sure. You know, you you want somebody to be able to be. You know, they say that the the what the the old adage is that if you couldn't do, you teach. But you really want somebody who's done it, who could walk the walk, talk the talk, and at least is able, yeah, able to read the room well enough to know how to get to your how to reach reach your players and get them to to produce you know and yep. i think and, you just nailed it with rod brindamore right there that's like a guy who's done it <laughs> and now he's oh, for sure. teaching it yeah i think and for me like that's what made quenville i think a good asset for the hawks through his tenure because i mean all those years he was playing with the whalers and you know his hockey background and then he came in to coach in fact my my most interesting cue memory um was I was also a member of the standbys booster club for the Hawks for a few years there when they had open open enrollment for membership and I was lucky enough to meet some of the staff through those years and I got to meet Quenville and you know I, when you see him you just kind of like see this guy like oh you know you go from being you know six inches tall on the TV to seeing some <laughs> real life yeah. person you know, and and you go to him like and I think I came up with some wise ass comment about. Oh hey, coach! Yeah, nice to see you smiling. And he comes, he looks over to me, and this was during the lockout year, so this had to have been thirteen. Yeah, and yep. I made the comments. I said, "Ah, oh, good to see you smiling." And he kind of leaned over during the picture and and kind of mouthed over. He's like, "Yeah, but I'd rather be out there kicking their butts." <laughs> not, not to use that French at at all uh, uh, verbatim, but uh, you know, it was 
it it put a sm- extra smile, extra deep smile on my face to know that like this guy he's a competitor and he wants it. So you're like, all right, like this is that's a good for me. That was like okay, check approval. And for me, I was a big Savard fan. Like I used to watch that guy for years. You know, assistant coach, assistant yeah. coach, two guys that probably didn't even des- they. You just sort of felt like they were getting set up. And Trent maybe they, Yanni, yeah, remember oh, him? Yanni, <laughs> you know, through yeah. Dirk Graham and everybody else. I mean, yeah, we had to suffer through Alpo Sohonen. Yeah. I mean, that's Dirk. Dirk Graham benched Chelios one game, yes. and I'm just like, are you kidding me right now, dude? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that room. That <laughs> yeah, no room kidding. That How do you you bench our captain? Really, man? <laughs> come on, what are you doing? Like, what, what the I know fuck, you Grammy? got a sexy you got a sexy stash, but come on, yeah. man, you can't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. I was just like, I'm like, I would love to have been a fly on the wall for that, but you know. So I mean, you watch that guy, and then he comes in, and I, I. I don't know if I, I still have it or not, but I put the commit to the Indian quote on a t-shirt. I, I have I, that shirt. Oh, yeah. It's just perfect. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably right next to the Corey Crawford uh, speech. First, uh, first rally speech t-shirt that I have too. like that just timeless, but that guy was so committed to it. And like, you lo- you loved it. So like, I want to run through a wall for that guy. And so like, you know, to, to have me kind game. of converted to a Q believer, then I was like, okay. Like in that in that in that circa time frame, I was like, okay, it's gonna be okay. But. He was calling out. He was calling out uh, Havlat and uh, I, I believe Robert Lang. Remember him? Oh yeah. That that was our big trade. We got our, our first line center to play with Havlat, and those guys were just dogging it. And I just remember hearing Savard's speech and. We need to commit to the Indian, Indian. and oh. I'm sure he's like, ah, shit. Like, I, well, I'm gonna just keep going with it. He just kept going and going, and I ended up meeting him a week later after that in Tinley Park. I remember mm-hmm. at the, they had a Kmart, <laughs> and um, <laughs> my father-in-law he goes, so, uh, so what happened after that presser? He goes, yeah, let's let's move on from that. Hey, what what do you want me to sign? What do you want me to make it out to? <laughs> you know, he was just like, don't ask me this again. But oh, you know what? Sure. The, the guy got fired, and he was still a Blackhawk, man. He didn't hold any grudges, and he, he's, yeah. he's one of the greats, man. Oh, he's a class act. I've met him a few times yeah. as well, and yeah, he's definitely a class act guy. In fact, another uh, February birthday, so I'll share my – I'll gladly share my day of origin with him anytime. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he – uh, and with at least with him, he, he got the, he got let go on a win, like he didn't have to drag the team through a you know giant uh, losing streak before they decided to give him the X. Like he actually went out on a win. Yeah, I think four games into the season they let him go, and I I, I honestly think that was not Dale Talon. That was more of John McDonough who wanted oh, yeah. to get the best coach available. And you know what? It worked out three cups, but oh, Savar- yeah. Savvy was a legend, and I'm glad that they still took care of him after. Two things. I, I one, yeah, definitely. I think it was nice for Savard and and having Taves and Kane and some of these young guys being able to come in with him. I think it was only beneficial. And second of all, Martin Havlat is a Blackhawk and he's electric. Oh yeah, he you was remember good. that advertising campaign? I think about oh, that he, every he's time. Javi Boone is a Blackhawk and he's focused. Focus. Those I remember yes. those. Yeah. When he's not driving his Ferrari through the desert doing 90 miles an hour with, you know, a bottle of vodka oh, and the cup. hammered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh man, I remember, I remember driving by those billboards on 294 just thinking, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, no one's watching. <laughs> no, yeah. no, yeah. those are, those are some yeah. of the days. Although I'll give props to Martin Havlat. He was, he was definitely, you get to give that guy, he was a voice for the fan because yeah. remember that sticky situation when he left. He was he was spitting hot fire at the team, and and it was nothing but truths, and it made him look real bad. It was just confirming everything that we thought we knew as fans. Like he was just giving us giving us life with that. Well, it, and so I, I don't really blame applaud. the guy. You know, I mean, he had an MVP like season in '09. He was really good. Him and Bolin and uh, Andrew Ladd had some really good chemistry that playoff. Actually, that that whole season they were good. And you know what? He wanted money, and uh, yeah. they decided to go with Hosa. And I never really talked to Mike about Havlat. I don't. How do you feel about Havlat, Mike? I was glad when he was gone. 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> Sick of the injuries? <laughs> yeah. I mean, every time I turned around, the guy was hurt, you know? And it's yeah, like, are we he, looking he to was... play or are we looking to pay, are we looking to pay yeah. somebody just because, I, I you know, they had believe, a few good yeah. seasons? True. He wanted all that money. I mean, come yeah. on, man. You played 50 games. Like, yeah. you're, you're very good. But, I mean, it, look, it, we got Hosa instead of him. And right. three cups later, Havlet, I think, played a couple more seasons and— that yeah. was pretty much it for and him. And nobody heard from him again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, hope I hope that, you know, that he's healthy and, and everything. But oh, yeah. I was happy to move did on. Did he go to the Wild or something? Yeah, he yeah. did. And wild then he was charged he was... Jersey Blues and then goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I remember him going to the Wild and he was hurt quite a bit with them too. Yeah. So, I mean, we really won on that one, I guess. Like you said, we, we traded Havlet and his mullet, his glorious flow for, for the demigod. Uh, I'll, I'll take that trade. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, man, uh, can you do us a favor and let our listeners know where they could find you on Twitter and social media? Oh, absolutely. You can uh, look me up at at shy, C-H-I underscore brush lion, one word, on the Twitter. And that is where I reside. That is where the uh, Lord Soak Penny tweets anything and everything because I'm shameless. (laughs) <laughs> well, hey, man, I'd like to thank you for, you know, being a listener and, 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 you know, supporting us, you know, as we've been on for going on, you know, we're at, uh, what, 15 months now. And, um, you know, if it's, it's people like you that, that help us uh, gain traction and, and it, it's, it's great to have fans that listen to us and uh, have been around for, for quite a bit. So I want to thank you for supporting us for all this time, man. Mike, Maddie, you guys are a bunch you, of brother. beauties. Yeah, you, know, you guys Thank are beauties, appreciate man. I, I appreciate you guys too, and all the stuff you've done for me through the 108 tournament. And it's it's just really nice to know there's other folks that have similar hockey IQ as I do, and so it's nice to be able to to listen and and be like, you know, this is a great representation of, of how I look I look at the game too. So thanks for doing the hard work you guys put in and doing what you do. And man, I'll be around. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. But that's all that we got for you guys tonight. Do us a favor. Give uh, give Dom a follow. If you haven't given us a follow, give us a follow. And we'll see you on the next one. This is the Tomahawk, and we're out of here. Peace.